Hey, good afternoon. I told you I'd be back, okay? I got my Baltimore shirt representing Baltimore right now, all right? All right. Well, you Baltimoreans, hope you're listening in, too. I want you to clue on in. I want you to come on in the room. Lisa's here. I'm, I'm here. I'm over here. Yep. <laughs> and it's Alan and Lisa Johnson Restore and Unify Radio Ministry. We're both. And we're going to finish up the prophecy. And let me re reiterate from part one, part two, part three. I had dreams, okay? And I thought through these dreams that my dead grandfather was visiting me, my dead mom, who died about maybe four or five years, was visiting me to let them know that everything was all right in glory and things of that nature. And so the Spirit of the Lord sat me down and had me do a study on dreams and visions, which, you know, I knew some things about it, but this particular thing about dreams in reference to dead people, I had no inkling. All of a sudden, God put a young man by the name of Kevin Ewing, who had some teachings on some symbols in the dreams, some symbols I knew. But I didn't know about dreaming about a dead person that had already passed away. And it opened up my eyes, and there was scripture and verse where the Holy Spirit had to take me. And he took me to the book of Ecclesiastics, chapter 9, verse 6. We don't have to go there, but later on you want to read, and we want to go back to the first part of my lesson. And this prophecy is turned into a prophetic teaching. That's what this is. It's a prophetic Teaching. This is unique. This is how God is using people in the last days to tell you what's to come. And don't go, I'm not going around talking about I'm Prophet Johnson. No, I don't claim that. God uses me in the prophetic, but I teach the word. So I'm not trying to claim no title. I'm not trying to claim I'm apostle so and so. Nothing like that. I'm just going to use the gift that God uses me in. In other words, I'm staying in my lane. I'm not going to copy you. I'm not going to put no humble legs. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm not about that. I'm about the straight, sound doctrine, teaching, and whatever comes to me and was being revealed through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God. And basically, I have to sit on it and serenade on it before well, my wife will tell you. It'll take me a while sometimes to even teach the Word. To even bring forth the word because I want to make sure God is speaking through my vessel. I want to make sure it's not the enemy because the Bible says that the spirit of the prophets belongs to the prophets. And it says that God only reveals his secrets through his prophets. That means that prophets don't go around running out of the mouth all the time. They only speak when the Holy Spirit says speak. They're not so anxious to jump up and say God said this and God said that. Because God didn't even speak that much to Moses or Abraham. So if Abraham's the father of all nations, and Moses is the father of the law, right? And Jesus came to what? Fulfill the law. If God didn't speak to them that much, so it must have been the Holy Spirit speaking. Because Jesus says, when I go away, I'll leave, send forth the comforter. He's going to guide you in all truth. He, he's going to take what's up mine. He's going to tell you. 
So it's not God told me, it's the Holy Spirit speaking expressively. Look at the book of Acts. Paul always said, Peter always said, either it was only once or twice in the book of Acts, the whole time they may have said the Lord spoke to them or the Lord was right there. So all the other times, they said the Holy Ghost speaking. So get your word right, because God don't speak to you all the time. Now, through these dreams and vision, God was showing me in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 6. And if you turn there, and when I'm, well, I'm going to tell you exactly what it says. It says, the dead knows nothing. In other words, let's just go there, baby. Let's just go there. Let's reiterate what we went on in part one, because I want to show them something. I think the Holy Spirit got me going here for a particular reason. I think it's chapter 9, verse 6. What does it say, baby? Ecclesiastic 9, 6. Their loves, their hates, their passions all died with them. Mm -hmm. They will never again take part in anything that happens in this world. And that's the, the good news translation. The dead people. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the scripture before that? I think it's verse 5, right? Verse 5 says, yes, the living know they are going to die. The living know that they're going to die. We're but, here. We know we're going to die. But what? But the dead know nothing. The dead knows nothing. Everything that they did on the face of this earth is null and void. Null and void. They're not even going to remember when they get the glory because they're going up in their spirit. Their dead body's going back into the ground. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But when Jesus Christ comes back, the body is going to be a new glorified body. It's going to connect together with the spirit, man. Okay? We're going to know all things then. But when we're with Christ... We're going to be in heaven. We're not going to remember nothing down here. Not a thing. So what was that spirit that came in my dream through my mom? What was that spirit that came in my dream through my grandfather? What was that spirit that came in my dream? Was that really them? When the Bible says that the dead knows nothing. So how can they come back and reveal themselves to me? See, Satan tried to deceive me. He tried to tell me. That, oh, your mom just came to check on you. No, 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 no. What's that scripture in Corinthians? Let's go there. I think it's Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse 14. Let me show you something. says, well, no wonder even Satan can disguise himself to look like an angel of light. So, so who can disguise and look like an angel of light? Satan. So, could it have been that Satan came in my dream through my mom and appeared and put camouflaged himself as my mom? Or could it be that Satan came and camouflaged as my dead grandfather? Hey, Loby, how you doing? And could it have been that he came and tried to deceive me? What else does it say, baby? Read it. So it is no great thing if his servants disguise themselves to look like the servants of righteousness. Disguise to look like the servants of righteousness. Read on. In the end, they will get exactly what their actions deserve. They get, see, Satan can come and deceive. He transforms himself as what, baby? An angel of light. An angel of light. Through your dream. So he tried to come and bring bad things on me. Because I remember in the past, I dreamt about a dead person that died in my family. And after that, all hell broke loose in my life. Nothing went right. And I was wondering, God, I've been praying to you. I was sick in your face. Nothing went right. In the dream, I hugged the, the person that had died. 
I entertained a spirit and it came down through Satan and it brought havoc in my life unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. Didn't know, but now I know. Now I have knowledge. Knowledge is power. I have knowledge of the spiritual things. So there's certain things that I did not know. There's a lot of things I already knew in the spirit, but in this situation, I had to be taught again something different, okay? Now, through this, Satan brought a lot of offense in my family. And God was showing me there's four areas of our life in the prophecy, in this world, not just in the church, but in the world where Satan's coming in to take you out. So you will not find out what your purpose is. So you will not have a relationship with God. So you will not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of it stems from generational curses that we have no knowledge of. And what these four areas that Satan is working to deceive people in, in the earth as well as the body of Christ, and he's doing a good job in winning. And we've been saying, oh, this is just how I am. No, it's not. You were made spirit. Your real man is your spirit man. The way you're acting out right now is this old flesh controlling you so you will ignore what's in your spirit man. What's in your spirit man is good. Okay? God made good. He said, I breathe in you the breath of life and man became a living soul. But your feelings and emotion gets tangled up with what the outside world brings to you. And one of them is anger. We talked about that in part one and part two. Anger, the pressure of being angry can lead to jealousy and envy. We talked about all that. We talked about in businesses. We talked about in ministry. We talked about in your relationships and how you get angry easy. So you don't love no more. So you treat your brother and sister like they're nothing. And all of a sudden you start cursing them out, running your mouth, gossiping about them putting people down, degrading people. You're jealous of them because they have better than you. You get angry. We talked about all this stuff. We talked about people being conceited, people being arrogant, okay? We talked about people that try to compete in that spirit. I'm not going to go back there anymore. You look at part one, part two, part three. I'm on part four. But I'm just reviewing what, what we talked about, anger. Now we're on this thing called offense. We get people around us. We easily get offended by what they say. They can come with constructive criticism, right, baby? Okay. And they try to mm -hmm. straighten out the matter. And I, mean, I got people in my family. Came to me for help. I'm not going to say no name. Came to me for help. I gave advice. I spoke. I gave them counsel, godly counsel. If you don't stop this. This is going to happen. All of a sudden, you're not a godly man. You're evil. I don't even want to talk to you. They got offended by what I said. But the truth came, and they didn't want to receive it. So all of a sudden, they don't want to speak no more. Okay? Sometimes that happens. And many are offended. Some people yell at some people. I know some people that have yelled at people. Me as a child growing up. I've always been told I've never mounted. I'm that, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. And so it played in my head. And I had to wait 27 years to get delivered from those spirits because I never thought I would never amount to anything. Those spirits from those people, when they spoke, the spirit of offense kept me down. Some of you are going through that right now. 
I'm going to show you in the spirit, in the word of God, how to get delivered from that. Been there, done that. Well, let them go ahead and speak. Let them go ahead and speak. You surpassed them. You have to step out by faith. So we talked about all that stuff. Another area that Satan's trying to kill us is with money. You greedy people. You could people go around trying to get greedy, trying to take advantage of people, trying to run game on people, trying to take from people. We're going to go there. And another area is sex. And we're going to get there. But right now we're talking about offense. Now, when we talked about offense the last time, we were relating to five different types of people. We were relating to offense for people that actually are in the church, who sat up on the leadership, who got offended by leaders in the church, people that they work with in the church. And it felt like they were nothing, like their gifts didn't matter. And then you have the pastors and the leaders on the other side who've been burnt by some of the people in the church who look at you, mm, I wonder if I can trust this one. I wonder if they're going to be faithful to the ministry, right? And then you're sitting on the side, they don't like me. And they're judging me the wrong way. But pastor, they could have the right heart. They could have the right motive. But you're looking at your past, but you're not looking at the spirit. And then they're looking at the pastor. I wonder, is he really following God? Then it causes division. Then they leave your church. Then you ain't got nobody to fill that spot. So you fill a spot with people that you think you can trust, but they're running game on you because they're trying to jock for position. Some of them are even trying to take your church. We talked about that. Then we talked about people, unbelievers on the outside. I came across a lady last week who had an earring in her nose. Tattoos all over her body, okay? Most of you in the church point a finger at her, put her down. Good-hearted person. Had a, I was driving her, I had my taxi service. I drove her to a destination and somewhere here in North Carolina. And as we were talking, we were talking about God. And you know what she told me? You want to know what she told me, church? I don't like church. I want to serve God, but I don't like church. I said, why? Well, they look at my tattoos, they look at the earring in my nose, and they try to judge me, but not knowing who I am, and blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to blame the church for that, because we've been a serious misrepresentation of Christ. We're looking at what a person got on. It's not what the person has on. It's what the person has inside. It's who the person is. Maybe you can help that person get right through the spirit of God, and then the spirit will convict them, hey, maybe I need to take the earring out in the nose, you know, and there's some churches that you can go there, you can still enjoy yourself in God, and get the word of God, um, there's one here in Charlotte, which is Stephen, Stephen Firstneck, Firtek, good brother, good brother, good word church, called Elevation Church, Maverick Group, which my man Ch Chandler Moore, and what's the other brother's name, Brandon, Brandon, I can't remember his name, but these are youth, 30, 40, 20 years old. Some of them teenagers. They love God, but they be themselves. They have the tattoos. Hey, you might fit in that particular body. There are some bodies that will not accept it, but us as a church in general, we need to accept each other because we're all going to be in glory together, right? There are going to be some bikers that are going to have full tattoos all over their body. There's going to be some thugs from the street from New York, from my hometown, from Brooklyn, that dress like me. Okay? There's going to be some people that dress conservative like my wife. Look at here. 
Conservative. Conservative. Hey. Librarian. Librarian. She she's she is. Let me put this back up. She is my mm, the love of my life. First of all, let me tell you something about this woman. She's extraordinary. She's my admin. She runs our business. She's good at the books, man. I'm just straight street. I'm from the hood, but I have a college degree. I travel. I speak a couple of languages. I've been down to earth. I've known people all over the world. Been to Africa, been, been to Germany, been to Russia, lived abroad. I understand what it is. She never lived abroad, but she had that very, very good education, okay? You might Live say. Live a sheltered life. She lived a sheltered life. Me, however, bang, bang, bang in the streets, partying in the clubs with two totally different people. But see, as a church, we need to learn to accept one another for where we are and who we are and understand each other's culture. Plus, she's white and I'm black. So we had a lot to learn about each other. See, I kind of understood her form of life, but she never understood mine. Because I've been on both sides of the fence, the intelligence side, where way back there in the end of the integrity, there was a man named Hezekiah. I could talk those big words too. But I can also be ghetto and have fun at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? My wife, she, well, I didn't know about that. He calls me a nerd. She's a nerd. <laughs> but guess what? A couple of times, let me tell you something, she got in my face. And she reminded me of some black sisters. And I stood up straight at attention. And it caused me to pay attention. So guess what? Some of that conservativeness is growing on me. And some of that ghetto on me is growing on her. I'm turning this woman into a monster overnight, y'all. <laughs> and we're learning to understand each other. That's the thing I love about it. The things that she would never talk. Oh, no. She talked. I'm sitting there. What? What did you say, woman? But you learn from one another. I'm bringing that as an example in the church. Don't get offended. Learn the other individual's culture. Learn where they come from. That's where unity comes together. What's the name of my ministry? Restore, Restore. and unify. So you broken, you hurt, we're going to bring you back. We're going to let you know what Satan's doing, and you're going to fight against him, and you're going to be restored back. And then you're going to learn to come together in unity and get along, okay? You got to have a broad mind. That's why God had me travel when I was young. It was the purpose of me traveling, to understand different cultures, to understand different ethnic groups, to understand how people do things. See, I talked about different people. I talked about people in the church. I talked about the pastors and different different cultures. Like we sometimes look at the Chinese over there. Well, you know how bad we got it easy over here? We ain't got it bad over here as far as Christianity, as far as believing in God. Go to China. But you point a point and finger at them. Oh, and blacks say, all lies and black lives matter. Oh, the whites are beating us down over here. We still in slavery. Go to China. And I want you to see how the communism treat their people over there. It would blow your mind. I've been in Hong Kong. I've been in mainland China. I've been in Shanghai. They speak Mandarin and Cantonese, Chinese. And the people can't even preach 
the word of God or speak the word of God in public. They'll get their heads cut off. At least you black, at least you free. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you you going through some things here, but not as bad as some of those Chinese people. If I take you to some places in Africa, the own blacks on black crime, that's where it came from, was in certain countries in Africa where they are Islamic and they will not even allow you to even talk about, say the name of Jesus. They will cut your hand off, cut your whatever off. You go to some of those Arabic countries in Northern Africa. You don't dare name the name of Jesus Christ over there. You don't dare go over there as an American either. And you think you can be free there? <laughs> they treat whites like the whites used to treat the blacks here. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I know what I'm talking about. Been there, done that, saw it. So as a church, God is no partiality. We're going to have to learn to get along. We're going to have to learn to love each other. Just like Christ loved his church, husband loved their wives. Christ is coming back for his bride. His bride is going to be rainbow color. His bride is going to be mixed. That's me and you. So why we can't get along? Why is we letting the spirit of offense take over through racism, through different things? So lastly, we talked about homeless people. That's the main thing, you church folk. You're not good Samaritans, man. A lot of you will overlook a homeless person. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been homeless too. And this is how they look at us. This is how they look at us. You judge me based on my clothes because I smell stinky. But I, did you ever thought I might need a little help? I just need to get myself back up on my feet. I was shell-shocked because I hit rock bottom. This is how the homeless people see us. Can you help us, church? And some of these homeless people were doctors. Some of them were lawyers. Some of them were people in high places, like you. Like I was. I was homeless right down there with them. Hey, Sylvester. Hey, cuz, what's up? Hey, uh, Demetrius, how you doing? Minister McFadden's on the line there. Now, we got to reach out to these homeless people. We can't look down at it because Jesus says the main thing, and we read about Nebuchadnezzar when, when um, Daniel interpreted that dream. We talked about it last night. And Nebuchadnezzar was warned by Daniel. If he pumped himself up in pride, he's going to have the kingdom cut off from him, and he was going to fall. Some of us high-class society people think we've already arrived. Everything's cool, cool. We don't need nothing. We're better than everybody else. If we don't be careful, we're going to be just like Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to be like that wild animal. We're going to fall into apostate and we're going to give it, you'll be given over to a reprobate mind like he was until he came to himself and realized that God was God. Some of us went through that, like I said, during the coronavirus, during this whole situation. Some of us lost our businesses. Some of us lost our homes. And we're hitting rock bottom. But now, these people are crying out for help, and they want God. Are we going to reach out to God? Sure, we're going we're gonna to help them reach out to God. But if they be rebellious, what can you do? If you still want to be rebellious, you're going to still stay in your sins. 
but God is trying to restore you, and I believe that he's using me as a vessel to minister to you. Now, there's some that are act out in pride and arrogance. That's why they lost everything. So they've been brought down low because of pride. And pride comes what? Before the fall, right? Now, they're crying out to God for help. Now, we read Daniel chapter 4 about Nebuchadnezzar, all the way from verse 24 to 27. Now, we're going to come back and we're going to go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to talk about another character who operated in the spirit of offense, who was greedy, <clears throat> who thought his motive was wrong to see what he can get. I always thought people in Baltimore had that mentality. I always thought people in New York had that mentality that go up and get them, take it, I'm going to take advantage of you, and take what you got. I thought the people from Jersey had that mentality. Now I'm finding out some of that mentality is right down here in the South. But people will use you on your job to take advantage of you. Been on a trucking job. They took advantage of me. I'm not going to go there. And they ran game. But God turned it around in my life. And what was bad, God turned it around for good. And the curse that they, that the devil tried to put me on went on them. Because I heard something about their lives and how they use people. And it came back on them and their businesses. And a lot of them are going down now. Because I would not give into the spirit of offense. I would not give into the spirit of bitterness and unforgiveness against them. And guess what? I prayed for them. I prayed for them. Oh, yeah, for a while, I was mad. My wife would tell you, I was ready to curse somebody out, and I had to even repent to God for the words that came out of my mouth. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth with what's only edifying to the hearer. But I went back and apologized to them and had no means to apologize to them because they did me wrong and stole my money. But I apologized to them for the way I responded in offense, even though I was right and they were wrong. I reached out to them in love. And one of them said, you F and F and F and F and F. Oh, yeah, he told me off. And his wife said, thank you. Okay? I humbled myself. Another couple. I told them I'm sorry. They forgave me. Okay? Another guy. He disappeared off the face of the turf. Owed me $15,000. Still today. Don't have the money yet. But I have to let it go. Because I can't take that to the grave with me. What they did to me. So, Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. Look at, look at what happened in, in verse 20. We're going to talk about Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet. And one thing I loved about Elijah, he didn't go around talking about, I'm prophet Elijah. I'm better than you. He didn't go around advertising his ministry. He was cool. He was, he was collective. Kind of like me. Because I, I hate titles. I don't like apostle. I don't like, I don't want no title. I know what the anointing on you is, even when I look at you. I know what the anointing on me is. I know I have a prophetic anointing. I know I have a teaching anointing. But I don't want to be seen like that. I would rather you benefit from what I'm saying 
and moving the things of God. I'm just a vessel being used. I'm not trying to show off for you to see me like most of these preachers are. Elijah was not like that. So when Naaman, the emperor, went to Elijah, he was full of leprosy, right? Remember, Naaman went to Elijah. And Elijah says, send my servant out there. Tell this fool, go and wash in the pool over there. And this was a man of honor. He was prideful. He was supposed to have been one of the richest men, but he was full of leprosy. So in order for that man to be humble, and that's where God wants us to be, the prophet told him, I don't want to see him. Just go there and tell him to wash in that pool over there. And the man started getting his flesh. Yo, I ain't watching in no pool. Why he can't come out to me? I'm a man of honor. Pride, offense. Remember, he got offended. Not like some of you. Why he can't come to me? Why the pastor can't come to me? Because he don't have to come to you. He don't have to come to you. He told you what to do. He gave you instruction from God's word what to do. You take that word, you act on it, it'll work for you. If you don't act on it and you sit there and get offended, ain't nothing going to happen. You're still going to be sick. Understand that. I hope you're listening to what the Spirit is saying to the church and not just looking at me. I'm not trying to put on no show for nobody. I'm trying to speak the truth. The truth is going to set you free. So after a while, the service went to Naaman. Hey, hey, man, man, man. Yo, yo, you got to listen to this man. God, it's prophet. If he told you to go wash in the pool, does it matter what pool you're washing? Go do what the man of God says. So he says, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to get off my high horse. I'm going to not be offended. Right, baby? That's right. And I'm going to go wash my butt in this pool. <clears throat> so he gets in the pool. He comes out of the pool. But clean it in the baby's bottom. Skin, clean it in the baby's bottom. Mm. No more leprosy. No more eczema. Nothing on his skin. Heal. So he tries to go back to the servant and give him money. Now, most of you prophets out there, and I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm going to be in your face. I'm sorry. A lot of you out there prophet lying. Because I'm going to tell you something. A true prophet ain't going to go around saying he prophets something. He's going to touch people's lives undercover. He's not going to go around trying to promote his ministry, worldwide ministry. Elijah never did that. People will come to him. See, if you're a true prophet, people are going to come to you. And you're going to say, what thus saith the Lord? And most of the time, it's going to be a warning for somebody to get their lives right with God. Or it's going to be teaching like this that's going to help you stay focused and on track and get yourself back and stand right standing with God. It's not going to be no show, no, oh, and Jesus said, and if you give me $700, I'm going to prophesy to you and you're going to be blessed by God. There is no such thing in the Bible. So, some of you that go around saying, I think you better go back and get back in the Word and get back on your face and find out what your true call is. Either you're copying somebody, you're trying to be a copycat, or you started out right and you saw another prophet do it, so you decide to do what he did. I don't know what's up with that. 
Because that mentality is not in the scriptures. If you study, study about your call. You said you're a prophet, study about your call. I did. And I could tell you when you're true and when you're false. Elijah did not even take any money from this man. He told this man straight up, go and take your money someplace else. Go on. Oh, please take, take, take it. But check this out. Elijah's prayed up in the spirit. He's stirred up. He knows what's going on around him. He's not blind because God reveals things to him in the dark. True prophet, he's not going to go around telling everything that God tells him. He's going to keep his mouth shut. He's, not, he's only going to tell what God tells him to tell. That's it. And his life is going to be an open book too. He's not going to be hiding behind no cleat. And he's not going to always talk all the time. It took me sometimes weeks and months to get my teachings and get my outline straight so God can minister to me first. And then I got to walk this first before I teach you. Not just get it from heaven and, oh, the Lord told me. No, 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 no. The Lord told me. The Spirit of God told me. But I need to sit down and digest this for a while. A true prophet is going to keep it secret. God only reveals his secret to his what? To his prophets, right? What's that? Amos 3.8? So, the situation is, you're going to keep your mouth shut for a season. You're going to be cool. You're not going to say nothing. Now. When he calls you to speak, just like he said in Ezekiel, God says there's going to be some that's going to receive your word. Because every time you come with a word, you don't come with no, you're going to have a house and have a car. Mm -mm, mm -mm. That's not true prophet. That's word of knowledge. That's a gift of the spirit that God used you in. That doesn't mean that you're a prophet because you operate in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Yeah. Now, the prophets do operate in that gifting. That's part of the spiritual gift that's in their life, that operates in their life. True. But it's always going to be a revealed knowledge from God about a situation. And the word of God is always going to back it up. Not you're just going to have a car in the house. Not you're going to have a husband tomorrow. It's always going to be something about you getting your life right with God first. Because if I prophesied to the sister and said she's going to get a house, but yeah, baby, she in the house sleeping with a man that's not even her husband. Does God bless mess? No. Brother Demetrius, does God bless mess? Brother Lebo, does yeah. God bless mess? Kenneth, does God bless mess? Nah. So if that, if that prophet comes talking about something good going to happen and the person is living in sin, which God is against. I know that's a lie from the pit of hell. You know some prophets living in sin. And the prophet might be even living in sin. You're right about that, boo. Mm. Hey, come on here. Now, I'm sorry I'm being hard, but I have to be. He didn't take no money from that man of God. But all of a sudden, what happened after that, baby? Read about this man named, named Gehazi. When Elijah's servant Gehazi said to himself, This is verse 20. Read it. Check it out. My master has let Naaman get away without paying a thing. Oh, really? He should have accepted what that Syrian offered him. Oh. By the living Lord. What that Syrian. What the Syrian offered with that, him. With that Negro. Or with that, with, that, with that white boy that got a lot of money. I'm going to take what he got. I'm going to sneak behind him. I'm going to tap him. 
They ain't nobody gonna know about it because I'm a prophet of the Lord. God's gonna bless me. And I'm going to, and he's going to bless me. And, and I'm going to speak to that prophet. If you bless me, God's going to bless you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm watching you, prophet. I'm watching you, so-called prophet. I'm watching you. I know the spirit by the spirit. But see, you may not like me after this message. Read, baby. By the living Lord, mm -hmm. I will run after him and get something from him. Oh, I'm going to run after him. Do I'm what, going for it. He's going to go get something. Oh, I'm going to run and get something. I'm going to run and get something from these people. That's his mm -hmm. motive. But all along, he got that cliche. Yeah, the Lord says, give and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I'm going to start the offering off with five grand. <laughs> Any sin by money? What's your motive? Is your motive God or is your motive just to take? Read it, baby. Go on. So at, he set off after Naaman. He set off after Naaman, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And when Naaman saw a man running after mm -hmm. him, he got down from his chariot to meet him and asked, Is something wrong? Is something wrong? Got down from his chariot. Is something wrong? Go no, ahead, no, no, Gaze, I answered. It's but my master sent me oh. to tell you. Who sent him? He said, my master sent me. Oh, He's making this up. He's prophet lying, isn't he? Prophet, yes. He's prophet lying. My master Elijah sent me. Elijah didn't take no money from this guy. Now here come Gehazi, this little sneaky prophet, little money-hungry, greedy prophet, offense, the spirit of offense, read. But my master sent me to tell you that just now two members of the group of prophets mm -hmm. in the hill country mm -hmm. of Ephraim arrived. Mm -hmm. And he would like you to give them 3,000 mm. pieces of silver mm -hmm. and two changes of fine mm -hmm. clothes. Mm -hmm. Just bless me. And I'll make sure that God bless you back. Yeah, I got you. Mm -hmm. God's watching you. God's watching you, false prophet. He's watching you. I'm laughing, but it's serious. The spirit of offense comes this way. Read, baby. Please, take 6,000 pieces of silver, Ooh, Naaman replied. 6,000? Go ahead and take it. Get rich. Huh? Huh? Keep on. He insisted on it. He insisted on it. Tied up silver in two bags. See, don't let no false prophet fool you. How oh, come on. Just give it to him. I'm going to be blessed by God. Read. And he gave them and two changes of fine clothes to two of his mm, servants. Mm, mm. And he sent them on ahead of Gehazi. Sent them ahead of Gehazi. Mm -hmm. When they reached the hill where Elisha lived, uh oh, they uh oh, busted. They, 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 they got all the money, they got clothing. They came back to the man, the main man. It's like coming back to God. Mm -hmm. They came back to Elijah. Now, check this Gehazi took the two bags and carried them into the house. Carried them into the house. Then mm -hmm. he sent Naaman's servants back. He went back to the house, and Elijah asked him, where have you been? Uh-huh. So he asked him, come on to the house. I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Gehazi, where, oh. you, been? where you been, homeboy? Gehazi said, oh, nowhere, sir. Oh, he nowhere, answered. nowhere, sir. He just oh. lied. Oh, okay. See, see, I'm going to show you a true prophet. Read, baby. But Elisha said, wasn't I there in spirit when oh, the man got out so, of his chariot to so meet you? wasn't I there in the spirit? He was translated. That is the gift of discerning of spirits in the Bible. One of the nine gifts of the spirit. 
that's when you see a true prophet, they're going to operate in certain spiritual gifts of the nine. I taught about that when we talked about ministry gifts and spiritual gifts. Go back to my lesson and get the teachings. See, you you thought I was only here for a showboat, man? I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to teach you God's mindset and how he works in the ministry through man. Because most of you don't even know what tongues is for. Most of you don't even know what the anointing of God is for. Most of you don't even know what the authority of God. And you say you name the name of Jesus Christ and you call yourself a minister and an apostle? It's a shame. You're supposed to know these things, and you're supposed to be walking in these things. But check this out. He saw him in the spirit. I see certain things in the spirit myself, but I don't always talk about it. My wife will tell you, it'll be months before I say anything out of my mouth. And then when I say it out of my mouth, if I say it, and I'm not bragging, if I say it out of my mouth, you can stick a pen in it. It might take me months. It might take me two years before God even speaks a word through me. Okay? He, he's giving me foundational teachings. Yeah, this is foundation. This is prophetic teaching. Yeah, he's giving me this. So he has me on this slope right now. And this is for your benefit, not for me. I'm just, I'm just being, a, like I told you, I'm innocent. I don't want to be no pastor, no church. I ain't trying to jock for no position. Facebook is my platform. So I'm talking to the masses. I'm talking to the unsaved. I'm talking to the atheists. I'm talking to everybody. I don't give a darn if you're from the Roman Catholic Church. I'm talking to you. Everybody. My platform. Jesus says, go into the world. That's my platform. I'm coming to the world. If you choose to listen, that's when you, you're going to benefit. If you don't choose to listen, oh, well. Oh, well. If you didn't hear what I said, oh, well. So he came in the spirit and saw Gehazi. And Gehazi thought he can get away with it. <laughs> Read on, baby. This is so funny. Okay. And Elisha tells him, this is no time to accept money and clothes, olive mm -hmm. groves and vineyards, mm -hmm. sheep and cattle or servants. Mm -hmm. And now Naaman's disease will come upon you and your descendants will have it forever. Now. Naaman had the leprosy. Remember? Elijah told him to go wash himself in that pool. So the spirit of that disease was resting in that pool. And that's how Satan sends his spirit, like I told you at the beginning of the message. And from part one, part two, part three, now we're on part four. The spirit that was on Naaman of that disease called leprosy was looking for a body. So all of a sudden, when Gehazi was greedy for that money, his body became a conduit to receive the same disease that Naaman had because he was greedy for money. Understand? His motive, his opportunist mentality, his get-over mentality, all that was bad, came on him, and who else did it come on, baby? His we, descend, Gehazi's descendants. All of his family Forever. had leprosy. Every last member of his family, because of Gehazi's being offended and sin, and all that stuff, he's being greedy, 
came on him as well as his family. Turn to Proverbs 28, 22. Show you something else. His arrogance, his greediness came back on him. Do you want that to happen to you? Are you wanting to play games with God in his last days? Do you think this is a joke? You jump up here and ask people for their hard-earned money. Did they work hard for it? And you try to use them and diss them? Don't you know God's watching you, man? Don't you know God is watching you, woman? You call yourself a prophetess? But then you, you representing Jesus the wrong way. Instead of studying this word and finding out what your call is really supposed to be. You're sitting up there playing games. Or if you are a prophet, you're playing games. You started out right, but all of a sudden, and I know some that started out right, and they, their word of God was bad. But all of a sudden, this money game came. And we're generally getting ready to go from this, and we're going to talk about money. Because it's going to eventually leak. Because when you get to the poor, that's when God gives back. Your motive got to be pure. Your motive got to be right. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can offend people that way. People can come back. I've seen a story. One time this pastor was cheating people out of their money. Big city. I ain't going to say no names. You probably heard the story before. Big church. Pastor coming up there with a limousine. and You heard that story before. And he cheated these people out of their money. And they became members of the church. And they were down and out. With nothing. They were paying their tithes and offering out of the yin yang. Playing games. The man of the household was, he hit rock bottom, came to the pastor asking for assistance financially, and they were faithful to that church. They lost everything they had, the house, the church didn't want to help them. And that man came up in the church with a sawed-off shotgun, shot everybody in the church, including the pastor. Now you tell me the devil ain't playing for keeps. See, some of you try to camouflage yourself and you want to play games with people, God's people or with people just in general that may not know God like you. And you're trying to play games. That's why I don't ask nobody no money for my ministry. My ministry is free. I work for a living. I have a business. My wife has a business. We bust our butt to get this business. And there's a lot of people that's hating on me. I don't care. But I bust my butt. Nobody gave it to me. Nobody just handed it to me, man. It did not fall out of the sky. It didn't fall out of the sky. I was praying to face all my knees before God. Mm -hmm. My baby got to say, say something, baby. Say something. Oh, we were we worked hard for this. We we prayed. We counted the cost before we went into business. Mm -hmm. And it has not been an easy ride. And we actually work harder than your normal average eight to five employee. Tell me how old we is, baby. Sixty-two. We're sixty-two years, years old. old. Can work circles around someone. Run circles around a 21-year-old. I work a Mexican. I ain't going to lie to you. Been out in the oil fields in 110 degrees in Texas. Driving truck, man. Only black one out there and the only one the Mexican people ever respected. Not the lazy ones, but the ones that want to work. That's me. I got my God and my grandfather's ethics. It was passed down. And God don't like lazy people. He even said there's seven things that he hates. And one of them is laziness. 
slowfulness. People that try to get over on people and offend other people. God hates it, man. But this haze, I thought he can get over. But go ahead, baby. I was gonna say this: the business that we have, there, there's people that are hating on us because of it. Would you know, jealous? But the business that we have, we have been able to minister to. Look how many people. Yeah. Because yeah. of the type of business yeah. that we have. Yeah. Everybody that gets in our transportation in our shuttle has had some sort of uh, a word given to them, sharing the love of God with them with everybody. That should be your motive. Right. That should only be your motive. Mm -hmm. No deacon sneaking deacon. No, because the girl fine. You're going to try to get in her pants. No. Or one, uh, one, one attitude. You get mad. Yeah, I had one the other day. Told him to move from the parking space. Went off on me and my wife in the parking lot, man. And I looked at his spirit and I said, brother, let me go get security. I'm not going to sit here and argue. Came back, straightened it out. He argued, cursed my wife while my son was on the phone. All kind of smack. All of a sudden, I looked at him and I said, I detect, brother, that you're a man of God. Where all that cursing came from? <laughs> Had to calm him down. Now we're best of friends. Turned around, gave me a business proposition after that. Because I turned the whole conversation from offense into peace. Didn't sit there and argue with him. But I started ministering to him. Brother, you were called. Because I used to curse just like him. <laughs> but I didn't give in to him. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. I killed him with kindness. I killed him with the love of God, man. You see what I'm saying? And I'm from the hood. Normally, I would have took a baseball bat and slapped the like that dude outside his head. My wife would tell you. I, I ain't about, and, and Aaron know what I'm talking about. He's from Bmore. They, they, they don't play in Baltimore. They will knock you out. But the love of God compelled me. Me not wanting to operate in offense and not a whole bitterness and unforgiveness against the brother made me make peace with the brother. Do you get what I'm saying? Turn to Proverbs 28, 22, baby. What does it say? It says, selfish people are in such a hurry to get rich that they, they do not know when poverty is about to strike. Selfish. Read that one more time. Loud. I want everybody to hear that. Selfish people are in such a hurry to get rich. They're in such a hurry. Drug dealers. You're such a hurry to get rich. That I, they I, do not know when poverty is about to strike. You don't know when poverty is about to strike. That's the scriptures, man. And you talking about this is a white man God scripture? It's everything pertaining to life is right there in your face, man. And everything that she's telling you right now is true. So don't come back to me talking about it's a white man's God. You worshiping the white and the Bible ain't true. Read that scripture one more time. Selfish people. Hmm? And it doesn't list a race. Doesn't list a race. It doesn't list a gender. Doesn't list a gender. They're labeled as selfish people. They're just labeled as selfish people. It don't matter whether you're black, white, Chinese, or polka dot. Male, female, child, adult. Or from Timbuktu, Africa. Selfish people. Selfish people. Are in such a hurry to get rich. Greedy people like a Hazai. Greedy people, like certain drug dealers who's killing our blacks in our community. I know you got to make a living, homeboy. I know that. Like truck owner operators that don't pay their truck drivers. Don't want to pay their truck drivers. They're That's... in such a hurry to get rich that they need to watch out. They don't know when poverty is about to strike. And this is according to the word of God. Just like Aaron said, 
God don't have no color. That's right. It says selfish people. That could be any race. Any race. What is wrong with that selfish person? Read it again, babe. I want them to hear it and get it in their spirit. Selfish people right. are in such a hurry to get rich. Such a hurry to get rich. Quick, quick, get rich schemes. Putting scams on the line so you can put money so they can empty out your bank account once they get your credit card number. Some of y'all out there doing that right now. Ain't gonna get rich. You're gonna be in poverty, homeboy. You're gonna be in poverty, homegirl. You ain't gonna go nowhere. Do you think that God is gonna sit there and let you take advantage of his children? You got to be out of your mind. That's, we're the worst people you wanna mess with. We, we the king's kid. You don't wanna mess with us. We ain't got to come back. God gonna get you. And the ones that's out there in the world, believe me, the ones of the poor, God got your back too. Proverbs 28, 27. What does it say, mom? That says, give to the poor and you will never be in need. Give to the poor and you'll never be in need. If you close your eyes to the poor, mm. many people will curse you. Many people will curse you. Remember I told you about the Jewish people last time we spoke? They have a holiday called Jubilee. Mm -hmm. It's celebrated every seven years. And every seven years in the United States, your debt is written off, isn't right. it? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing in Israel. So when the debt's written off, the poor people are in need. So what the Jewish people do, they get their savings and they give their money to the poor every seven years. They, they generally do it all the time. But that year Jubilee is a whole year celebration with the poor and the rich people. And they bring the poor people on the same level as the rich. Did you know if we did that in America today, this country would be off the chain right now? Everybody would be living large? We're so self-centered, man. All we do is think about ourselves. But there's people, there's another set of homeless people and people that are struggling from paycheck to paycheck. And I heard one say this to you as a church. I'm bipolar. I got mental issues. I need help. I hear another one crying in the street saying, I'm paranoid, schizophrenic. And it's not funny. It's not funny. I'm paranoid schizophrenic. That's why I'm out here in the streets trying to go from, trying to work on these light jobs here and there. I sleep in a cardboard box. There's some out there that are, have the this, have this spirit and the sickness of autism. The enemy afflict them with it. And there's some that are struggling. And they're trying to get by. They're trying to get delivered. They're trying to get set free. And you're laughing at them. And you call yourself the church of the living God? You have no sympathy for the brothers and your sisters that are out there that are struggling? There's a brother on here saying that he's schizophrenic. Are you going to laugh at him? Or are you going to be there for my brother? Huh? Think about it. Church, why can't you accept me? Why don't you love me? Why don't you reach out to me? Why don't you allow me to come among your group and be with you? 
They're crying out, people. They need help. But you, you neglected them. You walked past them like they wasn't even there. Like all those people walked past that man at the gate beautiful. But when he saw Peter, he begged for him. He said, I don't have no money. But this I give to you. He took him by the hand. He said, get up and walk. In other words, Peter helped that man get himself together. And he led him to the temple to get the word of God. Why don't you take one to church on Easter Sunday? Why are you saving that spot in that seat for somebody popular? Why don't you save that to somebody homeless, somebody that's struggling from paycheck to paycheck and help them out? Jesus said, go into the world. Go into the world. They're hurting. They're crying out for you. But you're sitting on your, trying to be arrogant. Like Nebuchadnezzar lost everything he had. Trying to be greedy like a Hazai. Take advantage of people. Call yourself prophet, apostle, so-and-so. But you ain't doing nothing for nobody but yourself. You're selfish. You're selfish. You're self-centered. God is using me to tell you this. And you can be mad at me all you want. I'm just a vessel being used to deliver a message to you. And this is prophecy. If you continue to be that way, you're going to have nothing. God is commanding you right now to give to the poor. To give to these people that are bipolar. To give to these people that are schizophrenic. To give to these people that are autistic. I have a nephew that's autistic. And I love him. Okay? He got it together. He's very smart. Smart kid. Just graduating from high school. They're crying out, why don't you accept me? I was abused all my life sexually. Listen to this. One told me this. I was abused all my life sexually and mentally and physically. And I was in a state of depression all my life. I had a nervous breakdown. But all you can come to me and tell me is uh, you need to get Jesus. And you leave me at the gate, but you don't know, you don't want to teach me how to come out of this depression. You don't want to teach me how to come out of this nervous breakdown. And some of y'all been there and been delivered from it, but now you're on your high horse and you can't come down to help the one that's been in the same predicament as you. You got some people struggling with sexual addictions. Like I used to be. Oh yeah, I can reach out and touch them. I can reach out and try to help them. And I'm trying. And I talked to some men in private. We talked to some women in private that had that addiction. We know, me and my wife, we know what's up. I've been there, done that. They're crying out. They're asking, can you help me? Can you help? I need God now. Are you ready to help him? We're going to talk about the different types of offense and what pertains to offense after this. But are we going to help them? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15. They don't, they don't understand this jubilee thing. See, the Jews made this up. See, some of you white Americans out there need to be white American Jews for the day. 
Some of you black people need to be black Jews for the day. Some of you Spanish people need to be Latino Jews for the day. You need to learn from another culture. It's maybe why God's sending a lot of foreign people here and they're getting rich overnight and we're sitting back and we're not doing nothing because they learn how to work together in unity. And we're sitting there being self-centered and selfish and don't want to share the word of God. We don't want to reach out to nobody. We only think about ourselves in the almighty dollar. That's it. We don't want to show people how did you get that business? How did you get... We're we self-centered. What does that scripture say in verse 7, baby? Read that. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. What does it say? If any Listen. of the towns in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, mm -hmm. there are Israelites in need. If there are Israelites in need. <laughs> this is the way the Israelites used to do. This is what I was telling you about in Deuteronomy 15. My wife's going to read it. How they did this every seven years. Listen. Then do not be selfish and refuse to help them. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Instead, be generous and lend them as much as they need. Mm-hmm. Do not refuse to lend them something just mm -hmm. because the year when debts are canceled mm -hmm. is near. Uh -huh. Do not let such an evil thought enter your mind. No evil thought mm -hmm. about not giving. You got to help the poor. What else does it say, Mama? If you refuse to make the loan, they will cry out to the Lord against mm -hmm. you and uh -huh. you will be held guilty. Mm -hmm. Give to them freely. Mm -hmm. Give to them how? Freely. Freely. Go and ahead. Unselfishly. And unselfishly. And the Lord will bless you in everything you do. Now, did it say to give to the church here? No, it says give to the poor. Baby, did it say to give to that prophet lie? No. Did it say to pay your tithes and offering here? No. Did it say give to a church and make them rich? No. So you can ride around on the Rolls Royce? It said to those in need. To those that are in need. Do what, baby? Those in need do not refuse to lend them something mm. just because the year is near when debts are be, the, to be canceled is near. Mm. 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 If you refuse to make the loan, they will cry out to the Lord against you. Did you hear what he just said? And you will be held guilty. Did you hear what she just said? Read, baby. Give to them freely and unselfishly, and the Lord will bless you in everything and you do. And the Lord will bless you in everything. There will always be some Israelites who are poor and in need. So I command you to be generous. So to them. You want to be rich? It's not about stealing from people. Give. Have compassion like Jesus did. Give. Give. Now, I want to show you something. Turn to chapter chap Luke. Now, this is I'm gonna end it with this. Luke 14. Look at verse 7. Some more stuff. This is Jesus talking. Telling us a story. That's the Jewish law. That was the law of Moses in the Old Testament. She just read. Now, it started with the Jews. It's going to end with us. Read, baby, what it says in Luke chapter 14. Look at verse 7 through 14. Jesus noticed how some of the guests were choosing the best places. Uh-huh. Notice how some of the guests, the higher class people again. Choosing the best place. Go ahead, read, baby. So he told this parable to all of them. Told this little story, little riddle. Read when this. someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place. Do not. When somebody invites you someplace, don't try to exalt yourself and sit there where, where all the rich people sit at. 
free, baby. It could happen that someone more important than you has been invited. More important than you has been invited. And your host, who invited both of you, would have mm -hmm. come to you and said, let him have this place. Let him have this place. Then you'd be embarrassed. Then you're offended again <laughs> and embarrassed. Well, I thought you was my homeboy, man. Hey, man, this is my seat, man. And you want to sit there and argue. No, 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 no. I, I invited him to sit here right now. You sit all the way in the back. Then you're offended again. But I'm trying to read this. I'm trying to go somewhere with this. Read, sweetheart. Then you would be embarrassed and have to sit in the lowest place. <laughs> Instead, when you are invited, go and sit listen, in the lowest place. Listen carefully. When you're invited, do what? Go sit in the lowest place. Go sit back in the lowest place. Humble yourself. Don't get offended. Just sit back and humble yourself. Play like so you're not important. So Play like you're host, not important. Yes, so that your host will come to you. So see what it says? So that the host will what? Come to you. The host is going to come to you. And say, come up, my friend, to a better place. Come up to the better place. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you something. My spiritual mom, 32nd anniversary, was when? It was a couple of days ago, right? Mm, about last month. Last month. <clears throat> I'm one of her sons in the Lord. The moment I got to that church in South Carolina, I never stopped working, did I, Mama? That's right. But yet, I'm a man of God. But I'm still a servant. I remember, I'm still a servant. She said, Brother Johnson, the sound is messed up. Can you do something with the sound? So I came with a couple of speakers, a couple of mics to help them out, hooked up everything. And I made sure everything in the house was cool. But the whole time I was a servant. Even though I know the word of God. And Demetrius was right there. Demetrius, that's how I met Demetrius. He was right there. See, he thought I was usher or deacon. No, I'm a minister. But I I played low. Didn't ask me anything. Made sure the food was set up, didn't we, baby? Made sure mother was taken care. She had her gifting. Everything was taken care of. Okay? The whole time. I got ready to go and sit in the audience next to my wife. I didn't come up to sit in the pulpit to show off because I wanted to take the low seat. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's respect. It's about respect. She has some honorary men, ministers already up in the pulpit already. She came to me, Brother Johnson, you and your wife come up and sit up in the pulpit. You know that what that made me feel like? It made me feel like I was appreciated. Not that I was trying to show off or anything. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes you have to humble yourself. Offense. Offense. Is a situation. Where sometimes you might have to take the low end and step back and just chill. And let the person, blah, 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 whatever. Let God intervene. And let God do what he's going to do, regardless of the circumstances. Now, I'm going to come back with a part five of this thing. And I'm going to finish it off talking about the poor. I'm going to take two steps from here and get out of here. And, and I'll be back tonight to talk about the rest of this thing called offense and the poor. And then we're going to start going into more things about offense because offense is a serious matter. When we misjudge, 
We misunderstand each other. We start hating each other. The devil put up this big old thing and makes us hate each other to a point where we don't even want to come together. Nevertheless, brothers and sisters and family hate my mom. I hate my dad. We hate this one. We hate that one. And he's trying to break the gap. And so I believe I'll be back in here, Brother Aaron, probably somewhere around um, 7 or 8 o'clock to talk about this. Maybe about 7.30 or so to talk about this. But there's still going to be video footage of it. You can, if you miss it, you can come back and look at it. I'm going to be putting it out on the, on the radio station. I'm going to be putting it out on YouTube when we talk about this. Because this is prophetic. This is a problem in the United States with the spirit of offense. And we're going to go deep because I want to explain to you what really the spirit of offense is. It's something that you say you are every day. And the devil is using you to try to take you out before your time. And you don't even know. So I got to take two steps from here and get out of here. Hold that scripture in Luke chapter 14. We'll be back in about a couple of more hours. I love you guys. Check you later. Lisa's saying bye too. And I'm saying bye for right now.